This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. We save lives every day. Strangers. And there's always enough time. failed to save Jason from this life. Joker got a hold of stolen uranium. He's selling it to terrorists. He's going to take Batman and Robin together to close this case. You take them down while I investigate that warehouse we tracked Joker to. Please tell the big man I said hello. Knowledge of my tactics, my history. This was getting personal. Joker showed me the truth. Evil can't be cured, only killed. Burn in hell, Two Face. Red Robin awaits a verdict life or death. Because of my choice, I had to avoid repeating mistakes. Hey everybody, this is Tim, former GameStop employee. This is episode number 208. I'm not Tim. My name is Dane. Uh, you but... wish though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I wish. Uh Especially since he, you apparently got a PS5 pre-order, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm still hoping I'll get. Because I don't know if I told you, but when I pre-ordered, I think this happened to everybody. Because I got through was let me stress, lucky enough to get it through Amazon. But they sent everyone an email saying, "We got your pre-order, but due to the overman, like overwhelming demand for this product, we can't guarantee yeah. you're going to get it the one the day of release." Yeah, so, but you're still going to get it, right? eventually <laughs> yeah see so like for me it's like oh i don't know if i'm gonna get it anywhere near next month you know <laughs> period so yeah i'm sorry dane let's be honest they really screwed up that pre-order oh, yeah. <laughs> they really screwed that up you know like letting the um you know target and walmart and amazon you know Let's just release our pre-orders whenever we want. Yes, but and they gave a date that. that earlier that day, like oh tomorrow you'll yeah. do it, and then all of a sudden they're up already. <laughs> it's like you need a specific time 
and a specific day and you need some form of uh, like what GameStop had where it was like you you have this thing on your website where it's like you're standing in line. Mm-hmm. You need something like that. I mean, come on, you you, you have enough money for to to do something like that. Yeah, so. it was pretty bad. I mean, X, Microsoft, I think, was a little better, but they still had some issues, but nothing to the point where they went on sale earlier than when they announced. Which, yeah. Which is, I think, what really made it difficult. Yeah, and like PlayStation did that, um, you know, for PSN members or PS Plus members. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, you could like sign up. It's like, what was the point of that? I didn't get an email. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did it. I didn't get an email, so it's like, what? What was the point of that? Uh, I know. I I don't even know if, yeah. if I got one. I just. Pretty much got lucky by seeing a random tweet on Twitter. Someone said, they're up on Amazon. <laughs> like, right when that tweet went up, I had just happened to see it. Yeah. And I clicked the link and was fortunate enough to get one. I think, the, ironically enough, it was like from a Nintendo-specific Twitter account <laughs> wow, really? that I don't even follow, but it was retweeted by someone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you better thank that someone. Whoever I did retweeted. actually. I, the, I did send the tweet out, quoting their tweet and saying "thank you." This is how I got it. <laughs> yeah, for somebody that said Xbox is the better system, it's it's weird how you got a pre-order. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not the die-hard Sony fanboy. I Xbox yeah. is still my main system, but I still managed to get a PS5. And I think I've said this before, but at launch. PS5 was the way to go for me just because of the games that they're going to have. Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank is going to be, I think, in the launch window. And yeah. Spider-Man Miles Morales looks awesome. So when Xbox doesn't really have any new games, I think, to justify the purchase for right away. It's going to upscale your previous games. But I think mm-hmm. during this end of the year period, I'll be playing for the new games I wanted to play. It's going to be on the PS5. So that's why I'm going with that one first. Right. Yeah, I, I wish I knew what that feels like and to have a <laughs> new system coming in you know, being excited for for uh, all of the graphical upgrades and um, new games. <laughs> do you want me to do like a live stream of my unboxing and hooking it up and playing for the first time just so you can get a little bit of the experience game? <laughs> yeah, can you just rub that in my face a little more? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, any, well, anyway. If, if, you're, uh, if you're fortunate enough to get one, some yeah. miracle happens. What's going to be your first game to get? Is it going to be Spider-Man Miles Morales? Is there something else that you're going to get? Um, you know, I, I'm really excited. And because this is a game that I recently played because it's on sale. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm actually really excited about Watch Dogs Legion. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I know there's a PS4 version, but I kind of want to see it on PS5. Sure. Um, I... I did play Watch Dogs 2 uh, recently because it was on sale, like I said. But yeah, I, I and Watch Dogs 2 is a game that I really like, especially because it's a Ubisoft um, open world game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they really do the open world game really well with the dynamic events and the side missions and just random little things that you can find in the world. Um, and this one looks really good. Um, you know, it's in London this time. 
whereas Watch Dogs 2 is kind of in San Francisco slash Oakland area. Uh, and apparently it's really realistic from, from what I've been seeing. So, uh, yeah, uh, Watch Dogs Legion is going to be the one that um, I'm going to be looking forward to, as well as uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, yeah. Again, another Ubisoft open world game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to see those two games. Yeah, I guess those are since those are third party games, that would be for those who I was just talking about the Xbox Series X doesn't have that many great unique launch titles, especially yeah. in the first party department, ever since Halo got pushed back. But I understand right. for those ones kind of being the system sellers for a new system. But for me, yeah. I'm just mainly for Sony the first party one or what's sticking out to me the most, like Spider Man yeah, and Ratchet. Uh Ratchet and Clank, I I, I don't know. It, it, is, is it gonna be like more than just what we've experienced. <laughs> it is going to have that familiar gameplay that the series has, yeah. which I don't mind. It's fun. I love that series. But the cool, I mean, I think it's one of the best showcases graphically for next gen systems. Just how it's so smoothly tr- you transition from different worlds when you're going through those portals and you're just immediately in a whole different map. Different. It yeah. looks incredible how the transitions, the transitions from one level to the next. Yeah. And just as long as the Miles Morales isn't a copy of. Uh... Uh, Spider-Man game. Well, yeah. I know there's one huge difference. Spider-Cat. Cat. <laughs> Which looks incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but j- j- just as long as, as it's not, um, you know, like a, a Call of Duty game where it's the same exact game, but oh, all of a sudden you're in space. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's obviously going to be some similarities. I don't think it's going to be a yeah. huge difference. And plus... I mean, I'm curious to see how long it is because I don't think it's going to be a full-fledged, brand-new game like a true sequel to that to the original Spider-Man game is going to be because the price yeah. tag is a little cheaper and they got it out pretty quickly. So and plus yeah. they're they're bundling it with the original Spider-Man. I mean, you have the option to get I think for I think it's seventy or sixty to get the upgraded PS4 Spider-Man with Miles Morales, or you could just get the Miles Morales for. 50, 50 bucks. So it kind of makes me wonder it's not going to be have as much content as that as a true sequel would be, but I think still enough to warrant it being kind of a big launch title for the PS5. <laughs> Speaking of which, I I'm sure you saw it, but the whole controversy with uh, the redesign of Peter Parker in the new uh, PS5 version of Spider-Man. No, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen well, that. What are what are people angry about now? They totally redesigned his look to kind of make him look younger, but it's yeah. kind of hard not to see. They try to make him look a little more like Tom Holland. <laughs> and oh, I have nice. I have a theory of this because, you know, the Avengers game that just came out last month, which I haven't played yet. I'm waiting for that one to go on sale because I've heard so many mixed things about it. And I mainly want to play it for yeah. the single player campaign, which I heard is good, but the multiplayer and like all the kind of like that loot box system. I don't know if it's exactly that, but there is something where it, to that effect that it has that in the multiplayer, which I'm not a big fan of. So I'm waiting on that one. But you know how Spider-Man is going to be an exclusive DLC for the PS PlayStation version? And right. all those, the character models for the Avengers game, it's one of the things I, I don't like about it. It's like they're trying hard to make them, make you think, hey, these are the characters you're familiar with from the movies but they don't look exactly like him. They just look like a cheap knockoff of like the actors from the movies in the game. 
And I think since Spider-Man is going to be exclusive to that, they're going to use that same model and have him look kind of like Tom Holland, but not quite, but still it fits in that aesthetic of the Avengers game. They're not saying that, but that's kind of how I, how I view it just to kind of keep that visual look all the same for the Sony exclusive Marvel stuff. But it is pretty weird. To me, it seems unnecessary, but at the same time, it's not something to get so worked up about that you're angry at Insomniac. I think they even got death threats and all that garbage that these so-called uh, fans, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> get all riled up about. It's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I, I prefer the old one, but I mean, to do all that crazy stuff, it's just ridiculous. But it is, I find it funny that they felt they had to redesign Peter Parker's look already. Yeah, it's like, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not like the, the Peter Parker in the Spy- original Spider-Man game really made an impression on me. He just looked like a regular white guy, Peter Parker. I know. Uh, right? No real distinction other than that. I mean, I know, that really is the most important thing to you about a Spider-Man game, the look of Peter Parker. (laughs) When you're going to be playing as Spider-Man behind a mask most of the time. (laughs) Come on. That Avengers game, I I thought it would have made a bigger impression on video gaming. Because everybody was excited about it. Like, oh, he can be the Hulk, he can be Thor, he can be Captain America, he can be Iron Man. And it kind of just disappeared, right? Yeah, I mean, it should have been a day one purchase for me, a no-brainer of an yeah. Avengers game <laughs> that looks right, like that. Right. I mean, come on. But, yeah, this just got there's so many mixed reviews and me just having mixed feelings on it as far as not being a day one purchase. And I think it will be worth the price once they have, like, these holiday sales and stuff. I'm hoping by, like, Thanksgiving and during Christmas when usually, like, the Xbox store or this PlayStation store has some games on sale where if it's like 40 bucks or something, I'll be, I'll get it just for the single player, which I hear is really good. Oh, is the single player really good? I heard it's a good good story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think that's co-op though. I wish it was, but I think the multiplayer stuff is just for the specific multiplayer section of the game. Really a game about the Avengers isn't co-op. Not the story (laughs) mode. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not 100%, but I think that because when the reviews I keep hear, reading about the single player campaign, they seem like they really specified the single player <laughs> aspect of that. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it. You know what I think it's gonna be like? I think it's gonna be like Ghost of uh, Tsushima, where the the it, it was originally just a, a single player story driven game, and then they add all these multiplayer things onto it. Yeah, where you know there's the PvP sort of thing, and then now there's like raids and stuff. Mm. So, I think... uh, but, and good thing I was I held off on Ghost of Tsushima because remember I was telling you I was probably gonna wait to play it for the PS5, and yeah. it is gonna be upscaled a bit <laughs> once uh, you're able to play on the PlayStation Five. So that's what that'll, I figured. That's uh, that'll uh, definitely be a, a game I'll be playing fairly close to the launch, probably after Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, you're really gonna like that game. I, I have a prediction, Tim. You're really going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you'll be right on that. Looks, just, looks, uh, looks don't, j- just don't get uh, too close to uh, the characters, especially one that sticks with you throughout the entire game. Oh, great. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it made me sad when 
uh, it happened. Uh, all right, I'm sure I'll know when it does happen. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyway, that's your video game talk for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's get to our Dark Knight Rises Minute by Minute commentary. Uh, we're going for minute 153 to 154. Um, so, so as always, grab your VHS, grab your Blu-ray, grab your um, beta, grab your HD DVD, grab your um, uh, laser disc, grab your... Did I say beta already? Yeah, beta. Yeah, beta. Okay. Uh, sorry, it's been a while for me since I've done this. <laughs> and there's just um, so many. Yeah, there's so many dead media formats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and grab your... Uh, your blockbuster rental card grab your netflix physical subscription uh grab your dvhs and grab <laughs> your our favorite um, our, our vhs dvd converted copy uh so tim are you ready i am ready okay good because i am not <laughs> <laughs> okay now i'm ready uh, okay uh, okay three two one hit play as Gordon is trying to get one last pitch to get John Blake not to quit the force. And I think this is when it was making pretty clear that we knew the direction they're going here with John Blake <laughs> by the time this movie's over in the next few minutes. Well, he could have just been a normal worker. He could have got a, just got a regular job, Tim. <laughs> no, that's not good enough for him. Not after what he's experienced. And this is a really cool moment. I love seeing this a statue honoring Batman here in Gotham yeah, with, with the blue um, mm. thing. Yeah, I wonder if they ever did make like a like a mini bust or something in that design of the statue to buy because it, it looks it would be really cool to have this on display on your desk or something. It doesn't look very good. I think it does. <laughs> I do like how they're going over the real the will of Bruce Wayne. How everything is going to be left to Alfred Pennyworth, including Wayne Manor. And that it's yeah. going to be uh, turned into. Well, actually, I'm getting too far ahead of myself because we passed the minute mark. I'll have to wait for that. Yeah. My comments later. <laughs> so, so you can't reveal what's going to happen. To him. <laughs> nope. So this is another thing to look forward to on our next episode. What's going to happen to Wayne Manor? We are so close to finishing this. We episode. are. It's kind of amazing. I know it's getting exciting. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, let's move on to our featured topic for this episode. And Tim has our featured topic, uh, which is one that I totally forgot about. (laughs) I'm sure you did. But it's going to be a review of the most recent Batman animated movie, A Death in the Family. And this one is different from any other animated movie that they release. And I was excited to check it out because it is an interactive movie where you get to choose the outcome of certain events that play out. And this was the perfect story to do it with, because as I mentioned during the announcement of this, obviously the death of Jason Todd in the comics, it was left up to the audience where we got to call those uh, 900 numbers, one for he lived and one that he died. So this gives you that same option and plus more um, as you're watching this movie. So it's a kind of a great story to choose from that has roots in this type of thing to be their first animated interactive movie. So I was curious to how it was and now it's time to give my thoughts on how I think they pulled it off. 
and I'll go ahead and throw a spoiler warning out there in case you haven't seen it and don't want to know some of the more bigger, different endings that take place throughout the movie. So uh, right off the bat, I think I got to applaud Warner Brothers Animation for doing something like this, just to do something different, to throw in the mix of the animated movies that they put out. And I thought it was pretty successful, um, just the overall of the format of how it worked and choosing the different outcomes uh, regarding the death of the family. My only knock is just kind of the technical aspect of it. Um, it just kind of the wait time it took to get the your choices and options up, I felt could have been a little quicker just to keep the flow of the story and the movie going. Um, if it was like a few seconds quicker, it would help just make it run smoother. But that's kind of a minor nitpick and just on the technical side. But for the movie itself, it was cool to kind of get kind of a slash prequel and sequel to Batman Under the Red Hood, which is still up there as one of the greatest Batman animated movies ever. I just watched it again yesterday, and it's 10 years old now, which is hard to believe, but it's still amazing. So I love that aspect because we start of the movie with some flashbacks of the fallout between Jason and Bruce, and Bruce telling Jason he's taking him off active duty and how that caused a rift between them. And then we get to learn how they met up in Bosnia to stop Rachel Ghoul and the Joker. It was cool how Jason was working on his own, putting his detective skills uh, to work to track the Joker while Bruce is tracking Rachel Ghoul and they end up meeting um, uh, unconse- uh, like just unconveniently where they weren't planning on meeting, but they did meet up anyway. And that's when they decided, no, this is between Joker and Rachel Ghoul. This is, this is a job for Batman and Robin. So we got to put aside our differences and work together. And that, of course, that leads up to them getting separated and Robin going into that warehouse where uh, Joker captures him and kills him, depending on your choice. But just the lead up to that, kind of like the prologue of the movie, was cool to see, given that little uh, prequel view to the events that led up to the beginning of Under the Red Hood. But once the explosion happens, that's where you get your choice. Does Jason live? Uh, does he die? Or does Batman save him? Because those are, you would think the live and Batman save saves them option would be kind of similar, but they're actually different. So when I first watched it, I chose the death option just because I knew that was going to be the one that is, I guess, canon <laughs> to the under to this Batman universe of Under the Red Hood. And I wanted to see if they would add anything to that. And basically, when you choose that option, it's a recap of Under the Red Hood, the movie, in, in about 20 minutes. But what I really liked about it is it's a recap that Bruce Wayne is giving. You see him in a diner talking to someone and he's recounting the events of the movie. And while they are just showing the same clips from the movie Under the Red Hood, the narration that Bruce gives over it was really cool. Just hearing him describe his relationship to working with Dick again when Nightwing shows up was just great and how he views him as a partner and um, the guilt he feels about Jason. And I just really love the emphasis that Bruce, which we got in the movie but even more so in this one when he's talking about jason and dick and just how he views them as sons and just how the father is how much it it kills him that what he did um, or in his mind not doing enough to save jason and just being so careless and not realizing um he was dead once that did happen so just great an inner monologue from batman just getting his viewpoints on everything that happened in under red hood in a past tense which was really cool and that version or that choice that you make, as we as I mentioned, Bruce is talking to someone in the diner recounting all this. At the end, it gets revealed that he's talking to Clark, which was really cool to see. And having that classic Batman-Superman banter where Clark thinks he's one up 
uh, trying to one up on Batman that Batman's one step ahead of him, and that includes paying the tab for <laughs> the meal they're having. And it just I just love their dynamic, and it was on. Uh, it was on point in this movie too, even though it was really brief. And they had a cool setup where uh, Clark reassures Batman, you know, we'll find Jason and we'll try to help him. And it just made me think, man, that'd be it'd be cool to get that story where <laughs> things continue on, where Batman, Superman, and even Nightwing are kind of looking for Jason to still try to help him after everything that happened. So I really like that option, even though you could view it as just a basic recap of Under the Red Hood. There was enough nuances and new stuff in there that made it worth the watch hearing uh, Bruce's recounting of the events and having him tell that to Clark, which is really cool. And then the other option I cho- chose was uh, Jason lives, which is pretty much, I think it even says Jason barely survives. So the explosion still happens and Bruce finds his body. But then I think you've seen pictures of this, of the comic pages where if the fans voted for Jason to live, We've seen the images of the relief on Batman's face where he has that smile and he says he's alive. And the animators captured that perfectly. It looked like it was just taken straight out from the comic page that was unused and just brought to life in animation. It was just a great nod to that. But even though Jason survived, the damage was done to his mind more so than his body. We show the, They show the progression of him healing, but he just has such... Regret, uh, contempt and kind of building hatred towards not just Joker, but Bruce and the entire Bat family. We see uh, Dick, Barbara, Alfred, and Bruce all kind of have smiles on their faces as they're looking at him in his bed and his face is all bandaged up, realizing that he is alive and recovering, but he's just saying how much he's not part of this family and how he uh, resents all of them. And that leads to him becoming this version of Hush, as we saw in the trailer. And him taking down uh, the crime, different crime bosses in Gotham and Black Mass that we see in Under the Red Hood. But this one led to a different type of ending I wasn't expecting. This was a cool part of the movie in general. We've got such a bunch of different cameos and appearances from different characters in the Batman, Batman mythos and just the DC universe in general. And this one was one of the more interesting endings where Talia comes to Jason as Hush with a child and she reveals obviously it's hers and bruce's son damien but she doesn't want to leave it with bruce he she thinks she he'd be better off with jason and jason at first is hesitant but then he realizes this could be what he needs or use to really take down batman raise his son to be obviously a, a well-trained killer to take down not only uh the criminals in Gotham, but also Batman as well, since Jason has such resentment toward him. This would be the ultimate payback, raising his son to be pretty much Batman's ultimate counterpart, really. Uh, so that it just ended with him taking Damien. We don't see the outcome, but it just makes you think, uh, what if? And that was another aspect of this movie that was kind of cool. It's like you're watching a bunch of what if stories that we've gotten uh, quite a few of in both the DC universe and Marvel universe, which is always fun to read. Just that what would happen in these bizarre scenar- scenarios that would never really happen, but it makes you think, um, and they could be, end up be entertaining. <laughs> so which was this one was, but probably my favorite of the different choices is when, uh, Jason survives and Batman saves him. And I wasn't, this is what I wasn't expecting where you choose that option. Jason survives with no, not really any damage done to him, but Batman ends up dying in the explosion. And what that, kind of branches off into a bunch of different choices 
that you can have where at first Bruce asks a dying Bruce asks Jason, you know, promise him don't you won't go after the Joker, you won't kill him. You would you promise me that you'll hold up to the ideals I installed in you and not go down that path of vengeance. And you get to choose if Jason will uh, catch the Joker or Jason will kill the Joker. And this is where it makes some different, really different endings and choices over the course of the story. So um, I can't remember the exact events of the choices. I know because more of them get branched off here. But one of the more interesting ones and probably my favorite is where you choose Jason kills the Joker. And Jason is acting like he's getting through Batman's death okay. He's determined just to become a better hero, a better detective, a better crime fighter. And you just see him kind of spending hours at the back computer and different people are visiting him like Nightwing, like Barbara, then different members of the Justice League, like Superman, Wonder Woman, and Flash, recounting stories uh, about their time with Batman. And then it's established that Dick takes over the mantle of Batman later on. And then there's this great moment where probably my favorite of the new sequences where he just goes to a diner and there's this man there kind of reminiscing about, you know, he knows that this new Batman isn't the Batman. He had an encounter with Batman. And then he goes, one of my best memories is a joke I once told to Batman. And he recounts that joke that Joker told Batman at the end of the killing joke about those two um asylum inmates trying to escape and one saying we'll get across the roof with a flashlight and no you'll just turn it off at the moment i start walking and obviously you get the hint that this is the joker and he doesn't have his white makeup it's just the normal skin coloring he has and i just like always like that concept of joker just kind of giving it all up once batman and bruce is is gone there's just no point in doing what he does if it's not bruce as batman and i just like that dynamic of the Joker once that happens. And Jason realizes that. And once he makes it known to Joker that he's Jason Todd, who we thought he killed, it was a great moment because as we know in Under the Red Hood, Joker's last line to Jason before the warehouse blows up is that once you see the big man, tell him I said hello. And Jason casually throws that into their conversation once he realizes uh, that that's the Joker. And he goes, well, if I ever see... Batman, I'll make sure to tell him hello. And Joker realizes that, that he's still alive. And Jason just throws a diner knife into the eye of the Joker, killing him. And then that branches off into another choice you can make, whether to, because the police come and you have the option to surrender to the police or escape. And if you choose surrender, you just, it just, it's really quick. It shows Jason in jail, but kind of, he becomes a dispenser of justice in prison almost killing off the different Batman criminals. But the longer version is if you choose to escape and he becomes red Robin. Um, but the name red Robins is explained because uh, the blood he leaves over killing pretty much all the main villains in God in Gotham. And that's why they, though he gets the moniker red Robin. We see him take out cheetah. We see him decapitate, decapitate Riddler so he's just going full out uh, taking out all of Batman's enemies and then it culminates into a battle with Two-Face um, which and gives you another choices you can make as Two-Face gets the better of Red Robin and you have the choice of choosing the coin flip heads or tails and one of them was kind of neat but then it ended in a way that I thought was kind of ridiculous where uh, Tim ends up stopping Two-Face from killing Jason. And once Tim kind of realizes 
or actually, yeah, he stops Two Face from killing Jason, but then Jason's gonna kill Two Face. But then Tim, a young Tim Drake, uh, talks some sense into Jason, kind of reminding what Batman and Robin are all about and what they stand for. And so he spares Two Face, and but he's kind of Jason ostracized himself from the Bat family, so he's no, he knows he's on his own. So he just tells Tim, "What do we do here?" After he asks his name, he's like, "Where do we go from here?" Then it shows the end of Jason still is Red Robin, but then Tim isn't Robin. He just is referred to as Bat Kid in kind of a Halloween style cheap child Batman costume, which I gotta say kind of made me roll my eyes. I don't know if that was a nod to any Tim Drake story I never read, but it just having him be Bat Kid seemed a little ridiculous. So I wasn't a big fan of that one. And then, see, I'm having trouble remembering where, which led to this outcome. Uh, but I think it's the one if you decide to catch the Joker um, instead of kill him. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is it. But it ends up um, where uh, you find the Joker, you let him go. You, or you don't let him go, but you don't kill him. But Jason is still showing regret, so he ends up... Oh, that, actually, that was pretty cool. Where Jason, just when he decides to catch the Joker... He thinks he's upholding Batman's no-kill rule, but throughout the course of the sequence, you keep hearing his voices in his head saying, kill them all, kill them all. And in reality, the people he thinks he's sparing, the criminals he thinks he's sparing, he actually kills them, but he's just telling himself that he's sparing them to make him feel good, and Joker realizes that, and that just messes with Jason's head, knowing that he, th- he thought he was doing good, but in reality, he failed Batman. So he's alone on this rooftop, and then you hear the voice, Zur in R. And I was like, oh man, they're going with the Batman and Zur in R route, like Grant Morrison established. And then we see Batman emerge from the shadows um, in the coloring, not quite the full rainbow colored suit of the Zur in R outfit, but the different light, bright colors uh, that were that costume has. And he it is revealed that Tally is there also. And she reveals that, like they, in the original version, they brought Jason back to life. Uh, she brought Bruce back to life because she couldn't accept that Batman would die that way. But of course, he's mentally not there. And then she kind of wants to have bring Jason into the fold to the League of Assassins. But Jason doesn't obviously doesn't feel this isn't Bruce Wayne. He's not alive here. He's just pretty much a fraction of himself. Mentally, he's not there. His body there, but his mind is not. And so this gives you another choice. Do you fight this version of Batman to the death? Or do you uh, spare him? So I like the outcome where if you spare him, you have a fight, you wound him, um, but you end up taking him back to the Bat Cave and Jason makes amends with the rest of the Bat family. And Bruce is just still not mentally there. They kind of have to keep him in a straitjacket, locked up in a containment cell in the Bat Cave. And it's just sad to see. And I... Totally forgot about this aspect of where Batman Zuran R came from. And uh, once I I saw this in the movie, I remembered, oh, yeah, that's what it means. And it's such kind of a cool concept where they have a flashback of Bruce and his parents coming out of the theater after seeing Zorro. And Bruce asks his dad, you know, do you think there could ever be a Zorro, a real life Zorro? And then his dad tells him, I don't think Gotham would approve of a masked a vigilante running around the streets. If anything, they put Zorro in Arkham. And I mean, it's probably been so, a long time since I read that story, but I forgot that's what Zorro and R means, Zorro in Arkham. And th- they did a great job of that line from Thomas saying Zorro in Arkham and Bruce saying Zorro in R, kind of morphing into that pronunciation where it is just 
Zor in R. So I thought throwing that little nod to what Grant Morrison did with Batman in R.I.P. with uh, Zor in R was pretty cool, and it worked in the story. And then the last one where if you fight Batman to the death and you end up killing him, you pretty much kill yourself in Talia. You have an explosion rigged, and the last thing you see is the charred bodies of all of them, which is a disturbing sight. But um, yeah, it is a rated R, so <laughs> it yeah. kind of earned its rating in certain visuals. So yeah, those are some of the different options you get to do. Like I said, just a cool what-if scenarios for a lot of these different characters with some cool cameo appearances and just stuff that uh, made you think of man, what would it really be like if this was the outcome and made you want to see some of those stories continue, like Jason raising Damien and the Bat family trying to get Bruce back uh, to normal after um, he was brought back in the Lazarus pit. So just different cool stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, it also really made me want just a full-blown standard prequel or sequel to the end of the Red Hood story because the little glimpses we've got of the events leading up to the event and afterwards this made me think, man, there's some really good story potentials there. So um, hopefully one day <laughs> we'll get this U- Batman universe of Under the Red Hood continues in a different way, just like we got here in Death in the Family. So I really enjoyed it. I applaud DC and Warner Brothers Animation for doing something different. I thought it worked fairly well. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a four out of five. But man, after watching it, it made me want to go into read the original Death in the Family comics which it's been a while since I've read those. So fired up the DC Universe app and started reading those. And man, it was a really good story, especially the first issues leading up to Jason's death. And even though now we got some different versions of the death of Jason Todd, and I'll be reviewing another one <laughs> at the end of this podcast, but the original one in the comics is still the best. Just what Jason was going through during that time emotionally, kind of being taken off, and removed as Robin, and then trying to find the identity of his mother, finally being reunited with his mother, and she betraying him, which led to both of their deaths. It's just just tragic, really. And I was talking to someone about this on Twitter, how if you were reading this for the first time and you had that option, man, it would be hard not to choose for him to survive. <laughs> I definitely would have chose the number that had him survived, just because of all the trauma and tragedy that he was going through during this time. So the death of the family, the comic story still holds up really well. I felt the ending of it is a little abrupt with that final battle with Joker, Batman and Superman. I know it happens later on, but I would have liked to seen a little more of Bruce grieving the loss of Jason. Cause it just ends with uh, them not finding the Joker's body and that's it. I just felt it ended a little abruptly. I didn't remember it feeling that way when I, I read it years ago, but again, a little minor nitpick, but um, it was just cool to experience that story again after watching the movie and just remembering what an important part of Batman history is, that whole storyline and uh, Jason Todd is. And now I'm on a full-blown post-crisis 80s Batman comic binge <laughs> where the DC Universe app has, I, I'm pretty sure, mostly all those comics of the Batman title after uh, crisis starting with year one and then going forward after that so i've been reading uh the first appearance not the first appearance but the first encounter of jason and batman in the new dc continuity after crisis uh, once he took off the tires of the batmobile so it's been cool 
reliving those not reliving those stories because i've always known them but i'm actually reading those issues for the first time and if they were coming out during a period where i was about four or five years old just probably get first getting into batman at that age but not old enough to be reading monthly monthly comics that i could get on my own but these would be the issues i would have been reading uh if i was old enough being a young batman fan back then so it's just kind of cool to get that perspective of what it would be like reading batman comics at that time if i was old enough to buy my own comics so uh yeah watching the death of the family animated movie kind of put me on this whole uh 80s batman comic binge that i'm on right now which has been fun so yeah i would definitely recommend it uh checking it out i will say I didn't find this out till later, but the digital version of A Death in the Family doesn't have the uh, the choices that you get to make. It's only on the Blu-ray. So I'm not exactly sure how the digital one plays out. I have to redeem my digital code. I haven't done that yet, but redeem it and then kind of see how the digital version plays out. Because I'm wondering what directions and what different story scenarios they choose to include. Because I believe also the Blu-ray contains some scenes and sequences that aren't in the digital version so something to be aware of that if you want to check it out it might be best to go with the blu-ray version so yeah that's my review of death from the family i thought it was pretty cool and hopefully it's something that uh, dc decides to continue with some other stories uh eventually with that um, whole interactive experience yeah, I don't expect, uh, oh, and every, everybody dies at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, that is an option. <laughs> like I said, kind of disturbing to see those images, really, of Jason, Batman, and Talia, just their bodies all charred and in flames. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a feature topic for this episode, and now we can move on to our news and discussion topics. Uh, and our only new piece of news is uh, that Jared... Jared Leto, sorry, is uh, going to be returning as the Joker in the Zack Snyder Redux Justice League. <laughs> Which I'm sure has you very excited, Dane, to see more of Jared Leto's Joker, uh, you being such a big fan of his take. Yeah, I, I can't wait for it. So <laughs> I just want to see what else he uh, does with it, Tim. <laughs> was that convincing? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That wasn't convincing at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you tried, though. You tried. Yeah, but but I know you're excited about it, Tim. Yeah, I mean, Jared Leto's performance is not my favorite live-action Joker portrayal at all. It's probably my least favorite, to be honest. But I don't necessarily hate it. Um, but I will say, I just like the idea that this the DCE universe is continuing in this movie. I'm not sure how much of it we're going to get. I don't know if it's a flashback sequence or it's going to be in the current time period of when Justice League takes place. But if we get a moment where we see Leto's Joker on screen with Affleck's Batman, to me, that's exciting. Because even when Suicide Squad first came out, and we saw this Joker immediately. I know a lot of other fans thought this too. Oh, we want to see this Joker <laughs> come face to face and the blows with Ben Affleck's Batman. I think there's some potential for some cool stuff there. So I'm hoping that's the case because it reports that Ben Affleck is part of this reshoot that um, Jared Leto is going to be involved with, along with Ray Fisher and Amber Heard. Uh, they're involved with this as well. And then also, too, in a separate report, I think it was from Collider, 
um, Joe Mag Magiano. I'm butchering his name. I'm sorry, but um, the actor who played Deathstroke in the end credit scene of Justice League, he's going to be part of the reshoots as well too, which is really cool because um, he looked like a, he's going to be a cool Deathstroke. So the fact that we're we'll going to see more of him in Justice League has me excited as well. I'm just really curious about how these appearances are going to play out. Is it in the current timeline or is it flashbacks? And I'm honestly up for both because uh, I, right now I'm on the, I'm thinking more it's going to be flashbacks because it just seems like too much going on with the Justice League trying to form and dealing with the invasion of Darkseid or Steppenwolf and you throw Joker and Deathstroke in the mix. Um, not sure how they're going to fit into that. So I'm guessing it might be more flashback stuff, but we'll see. Again, they got four hours to play with. So <laughs> and it's definitely going to fill those four hours up nicely, I think, with uh, some of these appearances. So yeah, I'm excited for it. And again, for it's just kind of cool that this universe is continuing in, in a small way with Zack Snyder's Justice League. And again, who knows if this is ends up being really successful, it could probably continue on beyond Justice League in some way, shape or form on HBO Max. So we'll just have to wait and see because uh, things are happening that I never thought would happen <laughs> with Zack Snyder's Justice League. So never say it never with this at this point with this project. But one other thing, a bit of news I forgot to put in the show notes, Dane, that I forgot kind of happened in between episodes was how yeah. D the DC comic side of things announced their next project or big event, which is Future State, which is going to happen at the beginning of 2021. That's going to last just two months where they're kind of going to jump forward, I believe, 30 years in the future for two months where we're going to get new characters in the familiar roles of DC superheroes, like a new Batman, new Superman, new Wonder Woman, new Flash, new Green Lantern. And I guess we'll see the state of the original heroes, what they're up to 30 years in the future. And this is going to come off the heels of Dark Knight's death metal. So I guess that final issue is going to change the DC universe in a bit. But I, I tweeted this out when this was announced, and I just it sucks that as a diehard comics fan and DC fan that I am just not excited about this at all. And I haven't even been reading the current stuff that's been going on, like DC's Death Metal or Dark Knight's Death Metal. I'll probably eventually read that when that goes on DC Universe. And same with the Batman title. I'm waiting for that to get caught up with James Tynan's run. I've heard mixed things on that as well, so I'll probably be waiting for those to get on the app. But just nothing about this seems exciting or it's grabbing me because, to be honest, it just feels like we've been there, we've done that with this before. It feels like one year later, uh, which happened after uh, Infinite Crisis, obviously this is a lot longer than a one year later, but just that same basic idea is that we're jumping ahead and we don't know what happens in between this last big event story. And just the idea of new characters uh, just changing the identities of these classic heroes we've done that to death before too i mean how many different batmans have there been now since we've done this podcast <laughs> quite a few and now it looks like we're going to get more so it's just it doesn't grab me as far as anything being exciting and original to to be something that's being featured and built up as this next big thing for the dc universe and i'm not going to say there's not going to be any cool new characters or good stories and there probably will be but just the basic premise of this it just does not have me excited and it's not something i'm going to be probably jumping out to get when these first issues comes out unless they just 
some titles get glowing reviews and say they're must reads, I probably will, but this will probably be some I'll be waiting to get on the DC Universe app. So it just sucks that I, this is my feelings on it right now because I hate feeling that way being a diehard die DC fan. But for the foreseeable future, like I said, I'll, I'll probably be just catching up and reading some older Batman and other DC superhero comics that I've never read before. <laughs> uh, just now that so much of them are on the DC Universe app, I'll probably be spending my comic reading reading those. But um, I one positive thing I will say, um, I don't know who the new Batman is. And there's actually two of them, but one of them has a really cool costume. It's basically the same classic Batman look, but his whole face is covered up with a mask, and it looks really cool. I always like that look when Batman has his whole face covered by the mask. It just looks awesome, and I think this one does too. So, um, yeah, had to throw that one in there too because I know this was pretty big news about um, the future of the DC Comics universe. So, sadly, it's not something I'm excited about, but maybe it will turn into something great and there will be some cool stories to come out of it. But right now, I'm definitely on a wait-and-see approach to see if I'm going to get any of them right away. So why are they doing this? You know, you got to have those big events every once in a while. So like yeah. this is their next one, but yeah. like I said, not grabbing me. Yeah. Oh well. Um, so yeah, I guess that's it for our news. Uh, and now we can move on to our reviews. <laughs> more reviews. <laughs> yeah, more reviews. Um, uh, for this episode, we're going to be reviewing Batman The Adventure Continue. This is, you forgot the S, Tim. What's that? You forgot the S. No, it is just Batman The Adventures Continue. It's not Continues. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a weird title. Because that jumped out at me. Dude, that yeah. jumped out at me, too, when I the title was first announced. I was like, should it be Continues? But no, it's just Continue. <laughs> the Adventure Continues, yeah. Uh, uh, this is going to be issue number 12 through 14 um, and a rating scale for this episode Tim, it will be what? Mm, what should it be? Months that Dane has to wait for PS5 <laughs> There you go <laughs> So it depends how good these issues are, Dane, you might be waiting a long time <laughs> well, well well into next year Yes <laughs> And sad to say, this looks like this is it for Batman The Adventures Continue. These will be the last three issues um, that we're getting so far. And who knows, maybe they'll eventually announce more later on. But um, this is it. And it's going to be more Jason Todd discussions <laughs> because this is the Batman, the animated series version of Under the Red Hood or Death of the Family because it does cover both the death of Jason and how he came back as the Red Hood. So, yeah, a, definitely a Jason Todd um, <laughs> heavy featured episode. And it is funny because of all the new Batman content I've been consuming, whether it's a Death in the Family animated movie, uh, the Batman, the Adventures continue and three Jokers, which are pretty much the only new Batman comics I've been reading, features Jason Todd heavily. <laughs> He's obviously a big part of three Jokers and this story arc of Batman, the Adventures continue. But. He's been involved with every issue so far. And it's just funny to think about how uh, he's been the focal character, the character that's been the focal point of these stories and all the new Batman stuff I've been consuming lately, which just goes to show you just how much his character can be interpreted and the different type of stories we can get 
based on that storyline that originally happened in Death in the Family. I think it's just a testament to uh, his character and the different and his characterization and just the stories uh, that you can mine from that. So now it's time to get the Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, Batman animated series version of Death in the Family. So um, the last review I gave of issue 11, it ended with Joker uh, capturing Jason as Robin, as Alfred is telling the story to Tim Drake in the Batcave. So now we get the big moment of the death of Jason. So it has the classic elements of death in the family. Uh, Joker has Batman or has Robin tied up to this uh, float in a, that looks like it's going to be on for a parade that's circus base. So Jason is tied up there. Joker gets the crowbar and starts beating him as he always does in the story. And he tends, he mentions how, you know, he's going to put him out of his misery eventually, but Harley's not going to have that. She actually says, you know, I'm all for roughing up the kid, but to kill him, like that wasn't part of the deal. And so Bat Joker tells his henchman to throw Harley out. Batman sees that. And then he goes to confront the Joker and save Jason. But Joker has his man fire on some hydrogen gas that causes an explosion, but doesn't blow up the whole warehouse that they're in. But a car gets caught in the explosion and falls on top of Joker. And that's Batman's chance to save Jason. And Jason does not look good. He is just, he's pretty much not going to die from the explosion, but just from the beating he got from Joker by the crowbar. And I really like how this was written here by Paul Dini and Alan Burnett. Just they're diff- given a different take on the events of a death of the family. And I really liked how they played it up differently than just Batman finding Jason's body after the fact, but they actually get to have a conversation here. Uh, Jason tells Batman that, you know, this looks like he's going to die here. But as this story established, he, um, he was out. Batman first found Jason because he was going to kill the gang members that killed that killed his brother. And he says that was kind of the code he lived by. It was brother for brother. So he tells Batman, you have to promise me um, you're going to kill Joker for everyone he's hurt and for everyone that he will hurt. This has to be this is my dying wish. Please promise me you'll kill him, Bruce. He goes, he says, this is for a brother, for a brother. That's, that's how he views the relationship. And what Batman does, Jason can't believe it. He hand, Jason hands Batman the crowbar. It's all bloodied, and he thinks he's going to kill Joker with it. But Batman uses the crowbar to lift the car off Joker and save him. And Jason just screams. He just says, like, no, like, you can't save him. Why would you do this? He says, I won't let you. But then he trips and falls on some more of the hydrogen gas, which causes some more explosions and for Batman to as to escape with the Joker, but not with Jason. And he goes back to find Jason's body. And he said he searched for weeks looking for anything, but he just never found the body, just pieces of the Robin costume. So I really liked how they changed it up a little bit and just having more throwing in a conversation before the death of Jason here between Batman and him, I felt was really great. And then I also like how they call to the fact how Tim's origin that they established in the animated series is kind of similar to Jason's because Tim even asked Alfred after he finished telling him the story, he goes, now, why am I here? He says, come on, Alfred, that's practically my story too. <laughs> like a kid on his own fighting on the streets. And I even took the Robin costume, even though I was told not to. So I, cause they always intended for Tim's origin to be similar to Jason when the new Batman adventure started. But they didn't want to use Jason because they just figured everyone would be expecting him to die anyway. And they probably couldn't do that on uh, standard network television at a show for a younger audience. So I, I did like the fact that they called attention to, you know, Tim, their version of Tim Drake is pretty similar to Jason. 
But then Batman walks into the Batcave and apologizes to Tim saying, you know, what happened Jason to Jason was my biggest mistake. And I swear, I promise I won't let that happen to you, to Barbara or anyone. And he puts his hand out to shake for to Tim. And Tim goes, you know, I'd be a sorry excuse for Robin if I fell for this crap. And he just flips Batman on his on his back and it's revealed that it's not Bruce at all. It's Jason in the Batman costume. And Alfred tries to stop him, but he throws a battering that knocks Alfred out. And he knocks out Tim in a pretty quick skirmish and takes him out of the Batcave to hold him prisoner. So that's where issue number 12 ends. I really like their different take on the death of Jason here. They knew they had to do something different. It couldn't be exactly the same like A Death in the Family or Under the Red Hood animated movie. So they put their little spin on it, and I thought it worked really nicely. So for this issue, Dane, you're going to have to wait four months until you get a PS5. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> but, so what know. is that? Uh, see, November, December. February. <laughs> Trevor, February 2021, Dane. Oh, no. But a uh, little spoiler alert. These next issues, your wait won't be as long. <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm hoping maybe like December. December, January. How about that? <laughs> Well, I don't think December. That's a little too soon and a little uh, too rough of a comic issue, which these issues are not. <laughs> uh, no. But issue number 13 picks up where Jason in his Red Hood outfit is visiting Leslie Tompkins' clinic. Just I shouldn't say visiting. He's out to steal medical supplies. <laughs> but she she catch, or catches him in the act. But nothing really happens as far as her of him taking Leslie prisoner or anything like that. They just have a conversation and she tries to do what she can to make Jason stop what he's doing. Um, but obviously he doesn't listen and he just tells her, you better go check on uh, Alfred. Like I heard, I didn't leave him in too good of a condition. So she calls Batman and we get to reveal that him and Barbara in the back cave, they attended to Alfred's wounds and she just asked to please save Jason. And that's what Batman is determined to do. And we see that he has Tim held prisoner in this underground sewer, which we later learn, or Batman figures out, that it is one of Croc's old lairs, because in the previous issues it was established that Jason took down Croc pretty brutally. He pretty much almost killed him, and once he did, he took over his lair. Um, then we get a sequence between Joker and the Penguin that wasn't really my favorite. Uh, Joker's trying to get out of town because he knows Red Hood is after him, and he's asking Penguin for money. Uh, so both Penguin and Joker take out their big henchmen to fight each other. Penguin has his wing, that big uh, white bird creature, and Joker has his straight man, super soldier type bodyguard. And I didn't like how there's this, this bit of dialogue where Joker compares the fight between the two henchmen to the family guy fight between Peter and the chicken. And I just didn't like how it called attention to an actual TV show that isn't established in the animated series universe. Because one thing, now this is going to get real nerdy. <laughs> this obviously takes place before the new Batman adventures, before Tim Drake, which first aired in 1997, before Family Guy was even on TV. So the fact that Joker would know this <laughs> doesn't really make sense. And again, the year and time period is never really established in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, but to me, that just stood out as something that, in a meta sense, doesn't make sense so i just felt it was kind of a weird thing for joker to say to make to call reference to an actual tv show that wasn't even on when batman the animated series or the new batman adventures were on but again a really nerdy nitpick 
But um, uh, during that scuffle, Jason, as Red Hood makes his way into the Iceberg Lounge and just shoots Joker with a bunch of tranquilizing darts and takes out um, his henchman straight man, crashes him into the Iceberg Lounge chandelier that looks like to kill him. But we'll find out eventually it doesn't. Uh, Then Batman shows up after Joker or after Jason takes Joker and uh, him and Barbara try to track him. And before they're able to leave, uh, Barbara is hit with a tranquilizer dart. And we get another reference here <laughs> as Red Hood shows his face under underground under a sewer. And he tells uh, Batman, expecting to see a clown under here, obviously referencing it. And uh, Batman sees him, but he gets uh, darted with a trank also. So out of the three issues, this one wasn't the best. It was obviously just set up to get, have Red Hood get all the pieces he needs for his plan of revenge against Batman and Joker. So um, this one, I'm only going to give three out of five months that you'd have to wait, Dane. So this one's a little shorter. You'll only have to wait till about January. January. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Still 2021. All right. Sounds good. But then the final issue of the story arc and of the series. And first off, there's a great, has a great cover where it's, Kind of similar to the new Batman Adventures logo where you see Batman in his silhouette with his cape up and you see Batgirl, Robin, and Nightwing underneath and inside his cape. Just a great visual. And then the issue begins with Joker, Batman, and Tim all captured in Jason's lair. And Jason's going to put his act of revenge in motion. And this is where, unfortunately, I felt the story didn't end as good as it could be. And... I just think it's because we've gotten a better conclusion to the Red Hood story and Jason Todd revealing himself that he is still alive, like in Under the Red Hood, the animated movie. That was just such a great payoff to what he wanted Batman to do, how he forgave Bruce for not saving him, but he couldn't forgive him for keeping Joker alive and gave him that ultimatum of you're going to kill Joker, whether you like it or not, or I will. And this one kind of played to that, but not in the same great effect I thought the movie did. Um, Jason pretty much tells Batman, you're going to kill Joker or I'm going to kill Robin, who's trapped in this glass containment with water filling up. Uh, But Batman gives Robin a clue to try to figure out or a way to break out um, using the water pressure and some pipes that are filling it up. Joker casually escapes his (laughs) handcuffs that Jason had him tied in. And this is another part that I didn't really like, how it was revealed that Jason never really died in this universe. Jason reveals that during the explosion, he actually, luckily, he says, grabbed onto a wayward parade balloon as it was floating up in the sky. He got caught of it, and it took him away from the explosion. So he never actually died. He was just in hiding uh, for several years until he made his appearance known. So that, was again, was a different aspect. But still, uh, Bruce thinks that as his greatest failure and it wasn't there for Jason is something he'll always regret, even though he didn't technically die. So obviously Batman isn't going to kill uh, Joker as he has confidence Tim will escape. And then Jason tries to do some opposite where he throws the gun to Joker. Joker will shoot, shoot Batman and out of self-defense, Batman will have to shoot the Joker. And I was like, oh, Batman's been shot out plenty of times by Joker and just other criminals and never had to fire back with any type of firearms before he could dodge the bullets, throw a battering ring or something. But I don't see why Jason had to think just because Joker's going to fire a gun at him, Batman would have to as well because he's been in that situation numerous times. So things aren't going to plan that Jason would like. Then uh, Joker 
has one more trick up his sleeve as he calls his henchman straight man who as i said didn't die being crushed by the iceberg lounge chandelier um, he uses his super soldier strength to bust through the walls of the sewer now it's really starting to flood he's fighting uh, red hood uh jokers are going to kill robin but robin gets the best of him as he escapes his co- contrapment and then batman has a fight with straight man who batman just lures to cause more damage and break the walls of the sewers to cause more flooding and more of a distraction to stop Joker and his henchmen, which it does. The water overflows and pushes them um, away from where Jason, Tim, and Batman are. And Tim is falling into the sewers as well, or Jason, I should say, and Batman. Tim fires a grappling hook to for Jason for Batman to hold on to for him to uh, catch on to Jason before he falls through, into the water. And Bruce tries to plead with them to come back and Jason just says, you know, how long could I really last? Like, I can't live up to your code. I can't change who I am. And there's no way that things now will be any different. So he says, go save the Robin who really needs you, which is Tim. So Jason allows himself to fall into the water. And Batman Robin escape with the help of Batgirl. And, of course, they don't find any of the bodies. (laughs) No Joker, no Jason. And then Batman just recounts how he just made a terrible mistake with Jason. And he's wondering if he's done the same with you. And uh, Robin and Batgirl assure him that, you know, we we never left you. Or he says, in the end, you never abandoned him. And we're not going to go anywhere as well. And sadly, we know the sad outcome of Tim Drake's fate, obviously, with Return of the Joker. And how things get even more complicated amongst the Bat family after this. Um, but then the issue ends with the reveal that Jason was picked up by Deathstroke and looks like they're going to form an alliance here as uh, Deathstroke sees Jason has great potential and um, they seem to be ones who could probably have the same goals <laughs> so I just the issue ends with Jason and Deathstroke not agreeing to team up but it's insinuating that that is going to be the case so this issue um, it wasn't I'm not going to say not a satisfying conclusion but one that just didn't love, live up to its potential, I don't think, because we have seen, like I said, with Under the Red Hood, uh, better versions of the story of Jason um, confronting Batman and Joker for what happened um, in Death of the Family. So uh, this issue, I'm just going to give a three and a half uh, months that you're going to have to wait for the PS5, Dane. So it's a little bit into January. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be your final wait. Oh, no. So. Don't tell me that, Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry, but why overall, couldn't be, uh, why couldn't it be a uh, one out of five? <laughs> no issues in the Batman: The Adventures Continue run was a one out of five. <laughs> None of uh, them were horrible. <laughs> Which I just got to say, I loved the series. It was just so awesome to get new stories in the Batman animated series universe from Paul Dini, from Alan Burnett. Um, it was just fantastic. I never was expecting it. And I'm glad we got to get their take on some characters and storylines that we never got in the animated series and see what it would be like if they did happen. So I really, really enjoyed this whole series and hope eventually um, it will continue sometime in the future. All right. So I guess that's it for um, this episode, Tim. Well, that was a fast one. Yeah, it was a fast one. Very Jason Todd Red Hood (laughs) centered episode. Yeah. so yeah, just, just go over to the Batman Universe.net, Facebook.com slash Batman Universe, Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at Tim G three hundred and eleven. Why are you going and, with a three hundred now? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it just sounded better. <laughs> um, my Twitter handle is at DanceSpinata. Rate and review on iTunes. Uh, you can email the show at badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. And the show's Twitter handle is at badfanswithoutpants. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim, is it going to be regular? We're actually, uh, we're going to say what? Well, I bought, I butchered that up. So I'll just say, we love each and every one of you with all of our PlayStation 5 waiting ah. hearts. <laughs> ah. See you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah.